Awesome. Well, I'm a Southern Californian boy, and first and foremost, uh, I want to share with you a beautiful family photo that we have. Uh, me and my wife, Kanae, uh, she's half Japanese, half Mexican. We call that Japsican. And um, uh, it's been six and a half years of awesome marriage, and uh, we've got Kiyoshi on the left, he's five and a half, and then we've got uh, Dayan on the right. And then we've also got two girls, so we've got identical twin girls. Little did I know, in any pregnancy, um, one out of 270 chances where the embryo splits, and you get two. Um, and here's a better photo. So uh, Olivia and Ali, so they're nine months old. Um, if I had, can you turn my volume down just a little bit, please? Um, if I had fingers, I'd be pinching myself because when I was a, when I was a kid, I, I never thought I'd be happy. I never thought, you know, you're looking at everyone else and they seem to be happy and they seem to be more complete and they've got more things than you sometimes. And you're like, well, what about me? And, um, you know, my mom and dad always said, don't I what really want to share with you, um, not really my story, but sharing with you, yes, how my heart has changed from being a child and not really believing that I'd ever have, you know, joy. And I told my mom and dad, I'm like, but who's going to help me when you and dad are gone? And, um, you know, they said, well, don't worry. God's going to plan for you. We love you. And I'm like, but, you know, the kids, you know, at school, they tease me and stuff. And, you know, they ask me what happened and I just tell them cigarettes. And... Um, <laughs> And they say, don't worry, we love you. God loves you, you're special. And I'm like, I don't want to be special, right? I, I, I want to have arms and legs. And there are times in life where it seems unfair and, and it, it's really far-stretching to believe that there is a loving God, especially when we go through pain, who apparently can do all things. And when he sees us in pain, it kind of feels like he's not doing anything about it. And so my question was, who am I and why am I here? And is there a greater purpose to life or not? Is it just a philosophy? Is it just a religion? And do all good paths lead to good things or not? And I don't know who you are tonight. I'm not ever a person to say that I understand your pain. I always tell teenagers I believe it's worse being in a broken home than having no arms and legs. But tonight we're going to talk about real stuff and real hope. So it's about to get real. And I'm sorry for the sun. The sun will set. I know some of you are blinded, but at least you got hands to kind of block it. I'm joking. <laughs> you know, some people come up to me and say, well, Nick. You know, I'll never complain again in my life. And I'm like, well, yeah, you will. Because, you know, I complain and we all have ups and downs. You see my foot, ups and downs, ups and downs. And there are some times where we compare each other's sufferings. Like, you know, why are you so upset? Because, you know, there are many other people who are suffering more than you. That's not hope, right? What about them? And then you're going to tell them that someone else is suffering worse than them? That's not hope. What hope is, is a remedy. Everyone say the word remedy. And so in my life, the question was, you know, is there a purpose? And, and I didn't know. You know, I thought, even if I got married, I can't even hold my wife's hand. You know, and, and I realized today, I don't need hands to hold my wife's hand. I just need hands to hold nothing, but really just her heart. You don't need hands to hold anybody's heart. And we got to understand in life that there are times where we look on the outside, especially when you go to school, and you know, teenagers, put your hand up if you're a teenager here in the house, teenagers, and you're going to school and you're like, oh, I wish I was more beautiful. I wish I was more pretty. I wish, you know, the guys, they like say the F word to be cool and like, man, I need big biceps. And I'm like, dude, my biceps are so big they fell off. You understand me? <laughs> and you know, the girls are like, they're almost allergic to, to thinking of actually being single to they're actually looking for a husband. I want you to know that that, you know, for as long as you're looking for a boyfriend, you're going to find a boyfriend. My daughters ain't ever going to be looking for a boyfriend. But they'll be looking for a husband. And the time that they're going to go on a date with another young man is the way in the day that they can look me in the eye and say, Dad, I think I'm ready and old enough to start a serious relationship with someone to see if they're actually not my boyfriend, but my husband. You know, so many times in life we get caught up in stuff and the stress and the things that we wish we had. And if I just had this, if I just had that, then everything's going to be okay. How many times have we actually received what we really, really, really wanted? And when we got what we really, really, really wanted, it's not really, really what we needed. It doesn't satisfy. 
And you look at the world, money, drugs, sex, alcohol, pornography, fame, and fortune. If you put your happiness in temporary things, your happiness will be temporary. Sex is not love. You can sleep with anyone you want as many times as you want and still wonder, do they really love you? But the crazy world that we live in is getting a little bit more crazy. I don't know if it's just me, but I don't think it is. Because it feels like no matter how old you are, you're stressed. Let me give you an example. If you're 7, 8, 9, or 10 years old, stand to your feet. I'll repeat it once more. If you're 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, stand to your feet real quick. Let me see you. Okay, ready? Look at me. I'm not going to do anything crazy with you. This is yes, and this is no. Got it? Cool. Here we go. Ready? Have you ever, ever, ever in your life, have you ever been stressed? Wonderful. Have a seat. Thank you very much. Give them a round of applause. And you ask him, it's real. They're not lying. They've got real stress. Their homework is so hard. And my brother and my sister, they annoy me every single day. And my parents, they didn't give me everything I want. They think they know what stress is, but that's what the stress is. I mean, it's real. It's not fake. But then you talk to the 13-year-olds. Any 13-year-olds in the house? Give me a whoop. Yeah, you got a couple. Now, you know what stress is. Oh, everything around me is changing. I didn't even know who I am anymore. I need my privacy. My friends, I thought I could trust them, and then they backstab me. They invite me to the party, then they uninvite me to the party. My parents didn't understand me. I put a do not disturb sign on my door, and they still come into my room. They're freaking me out. I think I just need a boyfriend. <laughs> and then they think, well, if I'm just 17, then everything's going to be okay. You're 17, is everything okay? No. Now you're stressed because you got to get into college. If I could just get into college, then everything's going to be okay. You get to college and is everything okay? No. What do you now need? Money. Oh, I need a job. God, please give me a job. You finally get your job, and after two days, <laughs> I mean, you look at your boss in the face, and you look at God, and you say, really? You give me him? I hate him. And then all the single people, oh, all the single people, when I get married, then everything is going to be okay. No. <laughs> Go talk to some married people. You know what they'll tell you? They'll say, if you ain't happy single, you ain't going to be happy married. Can you hear an amen? amen. Those are the married people. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, I'll Nick, I'm 50, 55 years old, and I'm past all that. And I, I just got to pay off my house and get a couple rental properties. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Yep. So is that it? Like, we, we what? We, we live and then enjoy, and then, I mean, is it that we just live and enjoy and that's it? Or is there more? As we travel around the world, 69 countries, you can bet that I've met a lot of people. I'm a hugging machine. I hug everybody. The scary thing about hugging everyone is they can just pick me up and take me home. I mean, what am I going to do? Like, you know. You know, my parents said to use humor to break the ice, and I'd sometimes take it a little bit too far. Uh, I don't know if you saw the YouTube video. Uh, we put, like, hidden cameras in the jetway as people were boarding on a commercial flight, commercial airline flight from Dallas, Texas to Los Angeles. My friend's the airline pilot for that flight, and so we dressed me up in his uniform. <laughs> It was awesome. So I had the hat and the jacket and the whole badge and the whole deal. And 6 o'clock in the morning flight. So everyone's half asleep. And they're, you know, coming towards the flight. And they're drinking their coffees. And no one's talking to anybody. And then they see me. 
And I say, good morning, my name is Captain Nick Vujicic, welcome aboard. And they're like, what? I mean, the parents were freaking out. The children are like, this is cool, we're going to put on Instagram, you know. Everyone's on the plane, and my friend comes out, and he says, okay, we're ready for you. Come on. So I'm walking on the plane like this, and I look down the aisle, and everybody's head. So I grabbed the microphone, and I said, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for boarding so fast. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Some people came to Jesus right there. You know, we have a lot of fun on the road, and I, I did a lot of my travel before I got married. I've done three million miles in the air, six and a half months of flights, 37,000 feet, and um, can't feel your legs after a while. <laughs> but as I've traveled around the world, um, you know, I've, I've really seen the beauty of my faith in Jesus Christ. Really, let me reword it. I've really seen the beauty of Jesus, because... There are so many times where not only does he come through for us and miracles and stuff, you know, like stuff. I mean, the, the one, one story is I was in Southeast Asia and 60,000 people gave their life to Jesus. And then we got an email saying, if you ever come back to my country, I'll kill you. Um, no joke, not a laughing matter. But we went back a couple years later. Not because we're stupid, uh, but because uh, there's no safer place to be than where God wants you to be. And another 60,000 people gave their life to Jesus. And we got an email from the same guy saying, hey, I emailed you three years ago not to come back because I'll kill you. So I came there to kill you, but I gave my life to Jesus Christ instead. Um, and, and I want you to understand, though, it's not just... The stories, it ain't just a story. Like I could tell you about the story of my back. I had a irreversible disease in my back. I had holes in my spine. I have MRIs, Californian doctors saying that medically and explainably, my syrinx is not there if you know anything about that. But that's not going to change your life, even if I told you anything of that. What I want to talk about tonight is hope in the midst of brokenness. And to really know what our real hope is. Because circumstances come and go, do they not? You pray for something and maybe even if it comes and something else is wrong. Unfortunately, just that's the way life is. And as I was a kid looking at my life, I realized that the war really wasn't really just the circumstance. It was my heart. It was my mind. It was my spirit and it was my soul more than my body. And I really saw that there were other people with arms and legs, but I actually felt more complete than they did. They're disabled in fear. They're disabled in anxiety. There are 48-year-old women that I've met who are still disabled on the inside by the things that their father told them when they were nine years old. And sometimes we've got to understand that it's not about the disabilities on the outside that really matter or the money or the title or the job or anything like that. It's really who you are and who you're meant to be, and the, 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 the raw layer of who Nick Vujicic is, it's his soul and his spirit more than his body. You can take out my tongue and you can take out my eyes, you can take off my ears, but you can't touch my soul. And the question is, was I an accident? And where is this God? And so as I said, God, give me arms and legs. Obviously, I prayed for arms and legs, right? And we know that God can do how many things? All things. Do you think that I have a pair of shoes in my closet? Yeah, I do, just in case he says yes, right? I really do. I do, I do, I do. But I'll tell you, I'm not waiting to get arms and legs before I actually realize the truth of my happiness and my joy and my purpose. And I, I really wanted arms and legs, but little did I know that sometimes when you don't get a miracle, you can still be a miracle for somebody else. At 24 years old, I was speaking in Southern California, and I saw a little boy with no arms and no legs being held up above the crowd. No arms, no legs, 19-month-old Daniel, and a little foot just like me. And I looked at him, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to wrestle him later on. 
And I got the father to bring him up on stage, and he's sitting right here, and he's looking up at me, and I'm looking down at him, and I can't give him a high five, so I gave him a low two. And when I put my little foot in his foot, he smiled. And when he smiled, everyone cried. It was one of the best days of my life, looking at him, thanking God that he did not give me arms and legs. Miraculously. It's not that he made me in this pain. Pain came from sin. Sin came from the devil. Uh, Sickness, disease, death. It all came from sin. This was not God's best in this form, okay? There were no disabilities until Adam and Eve sinned, but it's not the end of the story. And what I want you to understand is in the middle of this story, what he wants to help us understand is that no matter what broken pieces we have, he can do something beautiful. And it doesn't matter what my dad achieved. At his funeral, we didn't talk about what he achieved and what successes he had. But we talked about who he was and how he knew that even at his last breath, he knew two things. That this was not the end and he was going to finish strong to allow other people to know that life on earth isn't all. There is an eternity waiting for us. And what I've realized in my young years is that I can pray for my dad to get healed of cancer. But if my dad doesn't get healed of cancer, God is still God. When my dad died, he went home. There's no more pain. If I don't die of cancer, I'll die of a car crash or a plane crash. Pick a card, any card you want. I don't care how I'm going to die. I know I'm going to die. It doesn't matter. And why doesn't it matter? Because I'm a limbless ambassador of Jesus Christ, standing in front of the gates of hell and redirecting traffic. And in the end, you take nothing with you home. You don't take anything, but the jewels in your crown are how many people have you shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with and how many lives have been somehow impacted by your life through the love of God to actually believe that heaven is real. That's where my treasure is. I don't care about earthly stuff. And arms and legs for 90 years, that's going to give me arthritis later on anyway. I mean, can you imagine what this did for little Daniel? Little Daniel, okay. I met him and I hugged his mom and she was crying and she said, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now I know that God's got a plan for my son. It was incredible. Three days later, I saw my mom hug his mom and cry. My dad hug his dad and cry and pray. They were the best kind of counsel they've ever received the doctors never seen anything like Daniel the doctors don't know exactly what to say to the parents the church doesn't know exactly what to say to the parents but my parents did because they went through it and what an incredible journey it's going to be that on the other side not only am I going to have arms and legs and live forever but the day that I see Daniel running to me with his new legs, hugging me with his new arms, and saying, thank you, brother, for helping me believe that this place called heaven was real. I don't know about you, but no money can buy that. Amen? So I told his mom, I said, when Daniel goes to school and he starts getting bullied and teased, you tell me because I'll come to that school in my wheelchair and I'll run them all over. Though that's not what Jesus would say, right? But I went to the school, and he was getting bullied and teased, and I spoke for 15 minutes. And he wasn't teased for the rest of his school years in that school. He's now in his middle school, and I got a call. Nick, can you go to his middle school? I'm like, say what? Like, they're teasing him there too? They're like, nah, he's the coolest kid in the whole school, and he's told everyone about you. They want to meet you. It's incredible. Really is incredible. For real, I want to ask you, who are you and what do you want? Because if you don't know the truth of who you are in Jesus, you will believe the lies of the world. You see this table. This is my journey. When I was eight years old, I didn't know what God had for me. 
I had no idea that he would take me to 69 countries, 18 presidents, 10 governments to be on TV to 1.6 billion people preaching the gospel to 730 million people where abortion laws and special needs integration laws are introduced in nations after I speak to the government. Huge. Ridiculous. Even coming out of my mouth, I can't believe that all happened. But it's all glory to God. I can't take any credit for that. Amen? It wasn't my strength. It was God's strength. Amen? It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't my plan. It was His plan. You know, my plan would be, God, give me arms and legs. What if He actually gave me arms and legs miraculously at age eight? I would never have had the impact on Daniel. Because God doesn't always say yes to our prayer. Sorry, He doesn't. He'll save your soul. He'll heal your heart. He'll renew your mind. But if He continued to heal us physically, we'd never go home. So I'm thankful that I can now be a miracle for someone else. But when I was eight years old, I had no idea. I was hearing the lies. You know those lies? Eh, you're ugly. Oh, you're a Christian, but then, you know, you fail. Are you sure you're a Christian? You know, God's forgotten you. He doesn't have a plan for you. Just give up. And at age eight, I started believing those lies to the point of an attempted suicide at age 10. And I'm so glad that I'm still here. And I want you to know that you're still here for a reason. Don't ever, ever give up. We know that our strength is limited, but I want you to know that these are just lies. And you fight the lies with the truth, and the truth sets you free. When the lies come, all you do is this. Lies, you can talk to the foot because the ears ain't listening, right? And you turn around, and what does the word say? Has God forgotten me? No. Psalm 139 says, He has more precious thoughts of me than all the grains of sand in the world. Am I ugly? No. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, well, this is just bad luck. Is it? Or is it Romans 8.28 where it says, All things come together for the good for those who love Him who have been called according to His purposes. Long verse, but here's the summary. If you love God and you search for the purposes that He has for you, no matter what happens in your life, not only will He carry you, not only is His strength strong enough, but He will even cause the worst parts of our life to be somehow worked together for good. That's a miracle. That's almost foolish to believe that something so bad can turn into good. Scott, if I can have you play some uh, guitar, I, I'd like you to do that. Um, I'd play guitar, but I'm not warmed up yet. <laughs> I want to read real quick um, Psalm 23, just a couple verses. And I want to share with you just a couple stories that conclude some things. Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. My favorite verse in the Bible. He restores my soul. People say, well, Nick, you're strong. You're happy. You're positive. All you need is a positive attitude, right? And I'm like, no. You know those people? Just be positive. I feel like headbutting them. <laughs> and then say, just be positive. You know, it, it, it's, it's incredible, as I said, when you meet a lot of people, you see the beauty of Jesus in what he does, even in the most extreme circumstances. And how he turns bad things into good is it's only something God can do on the level he does. But let me tell you, before I tell you the story of what I don't believe. When I was 12, someone said that I am a perfect example of reincarnation. She said, in your previous life, you were a very bad boy and now you're being punished. She said, but don't worry, because in your next life, 
you'll become a butterfly. And I'm thinking, well, that sucks. <laughs> I don't want to be a butterfly. You know how many butterflies I've killed in my wheelchair? <laughs> Sorry, dude. Not for me. Well, you know, well, all, all good people kind of go to a good place if a good place exists. Well, how good is God? I mean, is it one lie and then you're not so good? Is it 10 lies? Is it one lie? Is it two lies? What if you like kill somebody? I mean, how good is good and how bad is bad? Well, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not the judge, but you know, I don't want to judge other religions. Well, is there an absolute truth or is there not? Well, I love everyone. Yeah, so do I and so does Jesus. He loves everyone. Amen, church? Jesus loves everyone. Amen. And Jesus died for how many people? Oh, and so when, when, when my dad has cancer and the doctor imagined he had a cure, yeah, and the doctor said, I got a vaccine. It's going to cure your cancer. If he takes the vaccine, he's cured. If he doesn't take the vaccine, he's not cured. Does that make sense? The cure, for uh, the cure for death is resurrection, yes? The cure for our unrighteousness, no one's ever going to be perfect. But what happens is when you turn away from these lies and you come to God, say, God, help me. Help me today to be closer to who you want me to be. Help me to know you. Teach me how to pray. Show me what you want me to learn in the Bible. Help me to love others as you love me. Help me to forgive other people as you have forgiven me. Help me, God, daily through these circumstances. I don't want my plan. I want your plan. I'll tell you right right now why. Because when you're in front of 650 sex slaves in India, Mumbai, who were kidnapped at age 10, sold for $700 by their mother, what do you tell them? Be positive? Reincarnation? Better luck next time? Do you know that as a limbless child, if I was in Africa, I would get or Brazil, or Central America, I would have been buried alive because of tribal beliefs that I was cursed by the gods. If you look at major religions, as a disabled man, I am not equal to any of you. Do your research. It has to be real for everyone. And when I looked at these girls, I couldn't tell them, be positive, better luck next time, be good, do good, good's going to happen. But I told them this, that pain, sickness, and death came into the world because of Satan. And God is a fair God, even allowing Satan in the Garden of Eden. Let me tell you why, I told them. Because God made us with a beautiful thing called free choice. And he made Adam and Eve with free choice. If God, even though he knew all the pain would come, if God, though, never allowed the serpent in the Garden of Eden, then all Adam and Eve would ever hear is anything from God's mouth, from God's voice. Therein, never having a choice. He allowed therein the serpent of the Garden of Eden to say something that he did not. Thus, choice. And I told them about the fall of man and how deep, deep down we're longing. We're longing for our soul to be restored. I told them about heaven. I told them about Jesus, how he lived and how he loved, then how he died for our sins. Death came when sin came, and he took someone without sin to pay my price. If I'm driving down here in San Diego and a cop pulls me over for speeding and you know get out of the car I'm like, ah, yeah, how am I driving the first time but anyway but what if I get a fine for $500 then Pastor Mal finds out hey Nick I heard you got a fine for $500 can I pay it for you sure thank you so much Pastor Mal all of a sudden when the penalty is paid I'm free to go yes when we sin, we not only sin against each other, but we sin against God. And the penalty for sin is death. I only have one life, and so I can only die once. But Jesus, who had no sin, who did not have the penalty of sin, 
had the ability to pay the price of death on a cross. And as I told these girls, about 90 to 95% of these girls gave their life to Jesus. We rescued a couple girls that night. And then I went to the refuge where my friend single-handedly rescued 350 girls over his lifetime. I was just with them 11 days ago in India. And it's awesome to see them grow up, get jobs. But it's also awesome to see them continue their mission. You know what happens? One year after they receive Jesus Christ as Lord, they get a job, they save up money, save up $700, and they go back to the brothels where they were once a slave with a bucket of water and a white towel. And they go back, knock on the door of the brothel, and the pimp and madame open the door. And they say, who are you? She says, I was once your slave, but I want you to know I found God and His love. He's changed my life, and I'm praying that He changes yours. I want you to know that I asked God to forgive me of all of my sin, and He did, and He forgot it all. He took my shame, He took my guilt, and now I'm free. And I've come here today to tell you, I forgive you. For who am I that if God forgives me of my sin against Him, who am I not to forgive you of your sin against me? To show you, I want to wash your feet. And they wash their feet. And they're crying and crying and crying. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Because Jesus loves you and He wants you free. When they're done, she says, here's 700 bucks. I'm buying out a slave. They give her a little girl and that girl's told by this rescued slave, you're with me now. Jesus loves you and from this day on, I'm your big sister and nothing bad is going to happen again like that. If that's not redemption, I don't know what is. Lastly, one last story. Can I share with you one last story? After speaking in front of the 650 slaves, we went into the brothel houses, six stories high, 10 acres of land. It's the red light district of Mumbai. We went into a house as large as this stage, and there was a woman on the floor. She's hunched over like this, and she's got a tremor. And if you told me that she was 150 years old, I would have believed you. She was very frail. She looked like she was close to death. And on the wall were all the gods, millions of gods, that they worship. Yeah. So I go next to her, and I'm talking to her about Jesus through a translator. And she's, you know, listening like this. All of a sudden, this woman walks in the room. She's dressed up in a beautiful blue dress. She comes in and she crosses her arms like this. She says, who are you? I said, I'm Nick. She said, what do you want? I said, I'm preaching about Jesus. She said, I don't want to hear about your Jesus no more. All you white people, you come in, you talk about this Jesus guy, but I can't see him. Show me his power or get out of my house. She said, make this woman walk. She's my sister. She hasn't walked out that door for four and a half years. We carry her to the restroom. Look at her. She's skin and bone. If your God is real, make her walk. So I said a little quick prayer in my heart. I said, God, just in case you're not aware of what's going on. (laughs) there is a woman who hasn't walked for four and a half years now God you know that I've seen uh, over at that time eight or nine miracles face to face said God you know that you know I've seen these miracles so this is not you putting me on the test I have the faith but for their sake please 
show up. So we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray and I said, okay, try to get up. And then we got two of my friends to try to bring her up to a vertical position. Now, listen, she hasn't stood for four and a half years. While she's trying to get into a vertical position, you could see the amazing, excruciating pain shown on her face as much effort as it took just to get upright. In so much pain, she could not put her right foot down. She tried. She could not walk. She kind of hobbled with one kind of leg like this with my guys kind of sat her down in the chair and her sister's still arms crossed looking. She knows that's not a miracle. And I said, no, God, we're going to pray more. We start massaging her knees and we're praying, praying, praying. All of a sudden, no joke, just like this. She went from this to this. Whoa. And I'm like, what happened? She said, electricity, electricity. And I'm like, okay. She said, I want to walk. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's take our time. Let's pray a little bit more. Isn't that funny? The evangelist prays for the paralyzed woman, and the paralyzed woman says, okay, I'm ready. And he says, no. It's an incredible testimony. I have no more kind of power or strength or intellect or even the faith that you see in me isn't mustered up by myself. It's got nothing to do with my righteousness. It's the gift of God. And as you take little, little steps, He blesses you and gives you more. And those who are faithful with the little, He will give you more. Amen. He only needs you to have a little, little, little bit of faith because He is the living God. Seed, like a mustard seed of faith, can move what? Mountains. You only need to believe... I had a little bit of faith, is what I'm trying to tell you. So we prayed a little bit more. And then I said, okay, get up. Walk in Jesus' name. She got out by herself. And we're like, whoa. Like, I know we just prayed for that, but whoa. Like, seriously, like, seriously. And then she's kind of, you know, testing these legs out. She's going a little bit further. She jumps up and down. I'm like, honey, don't break the legs that God just healed now. All right. It was incredible. Her sister goes to the wall of God's and says, thank you, thank you, thank you. I said, no, no, no. Haven't you been praying to your gods for four and a half years that that happened? She said, yes. I said, that was not your God. This is Jesus Christ. Jesus is alive. He is the Son of God, the only Son of God who died on the cross for the sins of the world. He resurrected from the grave. He is alive and His power is real. And He loves you. I didn't want to just share with you another miracle. There's a reason why I share with you that story. Dave Raj, Indian man. He's the guy who took me there. He took me back to the hotel. Indian man, he looked pale. It's hard for an Indian man to look pale. He sat me down, speechless. And he said, wow. I said, yeah, that was cool, huh? He said, no, Nick, you don't understand. I said, what's that? He said, the old woman that walked. I'm like, yeah. He said, she wasn't just any old woman. I said, who was she? He said, she was arguably the most evil woman you'll probably ever meet in your life. I said, what do you mean? He said, Nick, the 250 brothel houses with six girls in each, 10 acres, red light district, in 1960s, that was nothing but a piece of land. And she claimed the land. And she built the first brothel brought kidnappers together and she started human trafficking in the 1960s responsible for more than 40,000 slaves. Unconditional love. What sin do you think is stopping the love of God for you? What, a 
a pornographic addiction, try 40,000 slaves. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Ask Him to forgive you of all of your sins. And He will not only forgive, He will forget all of those sins. And you are a new creation. I know, I know whom I'm believing in. And I am persuaded that He is able to do all in this book that He says He can do. And I've seen it with my own eyes. I think I've said it tonight. I'll say it again. They say you haven't found something to live for till you found something to die for. I found it. And I'm full. And I'm complete. I think I'll make it back to Moore Park tonight. If I don't, I'll see my wife and my kids up there. I ain't storing treasures down here. I ain't waiting for circumstances to change before my joy is full. Because Jesus died once and for all, and He lives in me, and I am free. My question for you is, are you, are you free? Some of you teenagers, well, I'm a teenager and I go to church on Sunday. I didn't ask you if you went to church. Well, I love God. I, yeah, okay, great. So many teenagers in America are actually fooling themselves thinking that they're Christian, worship God on Sundays, and then go to school and be part of the gossip and teasing on Monday. You don't know God. Sorry, you do not know really Him. It, at least it hasn't changed you. Because the first thing that happens is a change in some things. And those are some fundamental things. And if you give your life to Jesus Christ and the F-bomb comes out of your mouth, are you going to hell? Hell no. And sometimes you turn away from your previous life and some things take time. Some things take counseling. Some things, some of us need a psychologist. Some of us need friends. Some of us need prayer. But all of us need family. That's why we go to church. We're a family of God. You're my brother. You're my sister. Look at my body. I'm your half-brother. <laughs> we love you and we accept you just the way that you are, just as Jesus does. Amen? And then when you make that decision, you take one step at a time. Do I fall? Do I fail? Yes. Ask my wife, is Nick perfect? No. But I hunger and strive to be all that I can be. And He carries me through. But I am free and I'm redeemed. And I want to ask you, do you have an active relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if you don't, I want to help you start an active relationship with Jesus Christ, which begins with a prayer that I would like to lead you in. Now, in the 3,500 speeches, I always call people forward to say this prayer. Why call you forward? Well, first of all, you don't have to be worried. I'm not going to lay hands on you or anything. But if this is a sincere decision that you want to make that life-changing, transforming, conscious decision to say, yes, God, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I don't want my plan. I want your plan. I don't want my strength. I want your strength. I don't want anything to do with this world that is going to not do good for me. It's, it's more than just principles. It's about restoration. It's about peace that I'm looking for. That I can't find anywhere else. I need you. Come into my life. The reason why I call you up here. On the front to pray is. If you cannot stand up. For your faith decision. In a moment like this. In a building like this. On a Sunday afternoon. Like this. If you can't stand up for your faith in here. How do you expect to stand up for your faith. Out there.
from the youngest to the oldest, I'm going to now invite you up the front. We've had about, I don't know, Pastor Mal, 40 people this morning in total give their life to Jesus Christ right here on this grass. That's awesome. For every one person that says yes to Jesus tonight, there's a party going on in heaven. And we want to celebrate that decision with you. Are you quite done yet doing things your way? And are you ready to finally surrender and say, hey, God, please take my life. Give me faith to trust you from this day on. Help me to know you. Teach me how to pray. So right now, from we don't have an overflow room being used inside. Everyone's outside, correct? So right now, from the front to the very back here, if you know that you need to make your life right with Jesus, this is not a recommitment. This is a beginning of an active relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet right now and come on down. And we're going to pray for you up the front. Don't wait for the first person. Be the first person. And if you see someone moving, give them a round of applause as they come on down. Come on down. There's one. There's two. Three. Four. Come on. Come on down. Just come right here. You can face me. Just stand right there. You're good. Come on down. Come right here. That's one. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. That's thirteen people, guys. We're believing for a lot of people. If you're thinking of thinking of it, stop thinking about it. Come on down. Fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. Keep on coming. 22, 23, 24. Come on down. Come on, church. Let's give God a big shout of praise. Amen. Because we've got some extra time and there's no, no other service right after this. Just bear with me. Teenagers, listen to me very carefully. Today is today and tomorrow is tomorrow. That's why it's very important to understand the power of now. I'll say it again. Today is today. Tomorrow is tomorrow. It is very important to understand the power of now. Today is the day for salvation. Do not delay. If you know God's stirring in you and your heart's beating, your feet are heavy. There's no condemnation. He already knows what you've done. He still loves you. You're running a million miles away from God, a million miles an hour away from God. He's still quicker than that, and He's pursuing you. So right now, this second call, still the same call, but any young people, especially teenagers, come on down right now. Teenagers, even young children, come on down. Come on down. There's one, two... Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. They're coming. Thirteen. <laughs> Fourteen. Fifteen. Sixteen. 17. Awesome. Now I want to call. I really feel that your marriage is on the rocks. My brothers, I'm, I'm going to push you right against the wall right now. My brothers, for the sake of you, for the sake of your family, you're here with your wife, you're not here with your wife, you're divorced. My brothers, God's calling you. Let's swallow our pride tonight. Let's grab the hand of whoever you're here with or you just come alone. I am asking and compelling by the grace of God right now. My brothers, my older brothers, you ain't done yet. 
there's so much more that God wants you to have. Come on down, my brothers. Last, that's the second last call. Come in, dude. You're in. My brothers. God ain't finished with you yet. Come on down. Last call right now is this. You're thinking of thinking of coming, but you don't want to come alone. Cool. Here's the trick. Ready? Everyone say, here's the trick. If you're thinking of thinking of coming, stop thinking about it. And if you don't want to come alone, simply do this. Turn to the person next to you and say, hi. I really, really want to come up there. I really want to go up there and say that prayer. But I don't want to go alone. Will you please come with me? Yeah? And guess what they're going to say? Uh-huh. I mean, they'll even know if you just look at them and like, let's go. They'll do it. This is the last. Let everyone make their own decision. Don't compel anybody else. Let God do it. But here, right here, right now, if you know you need to come and you don't want to come alone, move. Look at the person next to you. Move. Come on down and move. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 15, 16, 17, 18 more people. Come on, guys. Let's give a shout of praise to God. Amen. That's 18 more. Quick, quick. We're not done yet. Move. This is your time. Come on down right now. Another 19, 20. Hallelujah. 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. You're coming up the front. No, you're sitting down. 27. Look at them all coming down. Look at that whole row. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Awesome. Can you all do me a favor up the front? Yeah, just looking at me. Yeah. Can you all shuffle six feet that way, please? You guys don't go too far away, but you guys keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You guys shuffle along this way, please. Keep coming. Keep coming. It's good. Squeeze up a little bit like sardines. And let's push everyone out of that aisle and come a little closer to me here. Please. Thank you so much. Awesome. Perfect. Well done. Um, there are up the front um, about 95 people. God is good all the time and all the time. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we come before you today and we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, that you are faithful and you love us. Father, you know the people up the front and you know the tears that we shed in secret and the tears that we can't even shed because of the problems that we've had and depression and anxiety and worry and isolation and loneliness and disappointment and failure and guilt, anger, bitterness, Father, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, would you breathe upon this place tonight and break any chains, Lord God, that need to be broken. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for any sickness and disease and any physical miracle that is requested upon any heart here tonight. Father, we even uplift the sick people that we know who are not even here. Father, send angels and by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray, God, for healing. Father, for any believers here who are also praying that their whole family would be saved and know you, may every household be saved and set free in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you for San Diego. And we thank you, Lord, that there is truth, the truth that sets us free. Thank you, God. Thank you for your love. And thank you for the people up the front. If you're up the front, please repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear God, I come to you today. And I thank you for loving me. I am so sorry of all the things I've done wrong. Forgive me. Come into my life and fill me with your peace, 
your Holy Spirit, your strength, and your joy. Change me, renew my mind, and help me to know you more and more. Give me faith. Teach me how to pray. Read my Bible. Help me, God, to know that your love never changes. Whether I'm good, whether I'm bad, you love me and always will love me. From this day on, be my Lord and Savior. Be my friend. I live for you with your help. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I want you to look at me. We love you! Welcome to the family of God. This is the beginning. I want you to look at me. Volunteers, one second. Volunteers, one second. I want every, every eye on me for a second. I want you, this is just the beginning. We don't want to just give you a Bible and say, hey, here's the Bible. Good luck. Uh, you know, tomorrow morning, no matter how good you feel right now, there are times where you wake up the next morning and you're like, man, like, you know, I said the prayer, but like, what do I do now, right? I want you to understand that we're here for you. And don't get worried if your life gets a little bit, just a little bit more difficult. We're not going to promise you an easy road because Jesus never promised that. But we promise that we're with you. And we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for your family. We're going to pray for your breakthrough. We're going to pray for your future, your future spouse. If you're wanting to get married and your children that you don't even know the name of, but God does. We want you to know that we love you and we are with you for life. As you want to know God more, we are committed to do anything and everything possible to help you. We want to hear your questions. We will never pretend, Pastor Mel, that we have all the answers. But man, I'll tell you right now, you cannot look like him at 60 years old without the peace of God. And the peace of God, some really clapped on that one. The peace of God is this. I want you to stand next to me. I want you to understand. Pastor Mel has been here for nine years, correct? And I want you to know that every Sunday there is a church service that we really want you to come to on the Sundays. If you're young people, please come to the youth meetings. Get friends that think now a little bit more like you. We're not going to tell you to dump your friends and dump your girlfriends and dump your boyfriend. No, we're just going to embrace you, love you, say, how can we help? If you need groceries, we'll get your groceries, right, church? If you need something, we're going to do our best to help you. We want to give you a Bible tonight, a New Testament, a congratulatory letter from me to you about tonight. But we want to give you a call. Let me tell you why. Do you think I could ever do what I've done by the grace of God without people in my life? This is one person for you. This church for you. You don't have a home church. This is your home church Welcome home. Give us your phone number that we can call you and ask how we can pray for you. The volunteers, hold up your packs. All right. Now, what we're going to do is we don't want to lose anybody. We need some of you volunteers to actually get up on stage on this side and come into this side on the right. And then in these packs, go for volunteers. There's a pen. Go for it. Give out the information. Let's fill out your contact details. Go for it, volunteers. Fill it out. Takes two minutes. Everyone say two minutes. Please do it. Cool? Awesome. Volunteers right there. Don't miss all those people too. Put your hand up until a packet comes to you. Put your hand up if you do not have a packet. There's some packets on the stage. Church, did you enjoy tonight? Please get out the pen. Take out the pen. Fill it out. Church, I want you to know that we actually came here and we specifically said to the church that we don't want an honorarium. We don't want a financial gift from the church. You guys can continue to sow into your own community as far as we're concerned. 
However, if you and your family are looking for a ministry that's evangelistically aggressive on the front line of God's army, taking over territory for His kingdom, what has happened in the last 12 years of our ministry, we're going to double in the next seven. If you're looking to monthly sponsor a ministry, please consider tonight to sponsor us on a monthly basis. If you do tonight, I will personally meet you. I will hug you. I'm not hugging everyone because my arms will fall off. But I want to thank you and your family personally for helping us do what we do. That's how we do what we do. Because the people like you who pray for us and send us onward and forward.